It's Jesse. If you're hearing this, that means my limited edition capsule collection for Joe Fresh is out now. <laughs> In select stores and at joefresh.com, I designed matching pieces for the entire family in a really fun, bold checkerboard print, including a baby romper, toddler and kids dress, a kids t-shirt and short set, a shirt for men, and the cutest women's linen short set that you will live in all summer long. Every piece is under $35 and warning, you will get compliments wherever you go. Shop it now before it's gone. This week on Phone a Friend. Whose bed have Gary the Golden Bachelor's boots been under? There are new photos of JTT and they are dividing the nation. Is Adam Driver attractive? Plus, I'm calling the most requested guest in Phone a Friend history. It's internet icon, businesswoman, and TV star Jillian Harris like you've never heard her before. Unfiltered, unpolished, and unraveling. I'm going to actually cry, I think, because you literally only get one chance. Like, I'm literally tearing up. Swipe a sepia-toned filter over this episode. It starts now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Girl, let's phone a friend with Jesse Crookshank. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Phone a Friend. I'm Jesse Crookshank. Happy Chinooka to everyone who celebrates. This is our second to last episode of the year. And at the end of the show, we're going to tell you how you can be a part of our finale next week. It's going to be big. I'm also phoning influencer bachelorette, person whose home has more festive decor than all of ours combined, Jillian Harris, for a wildly unfiltered conversation. But first... Please welcome deep into your ears a man who I doubt has any holiday decor up in his bachelor pad. Jason, my producer. <laughs> Hi, you're right. Nothing. Is there anything? Nothing? No, not a yet. A small tree? You know, I have one of those like festive fir candles that smells like pine trees. <laughs> oh, that counts. We're kind of in the spirit, yeah. You're smelling the spirit mm-hmm. and that counts. <laughs> yeah. 
Jason, it's a spirited day because it's now official. I teased an announcement last week and I have announced that I will be filming my first ever stand-up comedy special in Toronto on March 9th. It's happening. And I am so excited. But I will say this to you phonies because truly there's no one I feel closer to than you. I'm also terrified. And Jason, I've been talking to you about this for weeks. Like Veeps, which is a big streaming service here in the U.S., they saw me perform it just for laughs, made me an offer to do my first ever stand-up special. Among comedy greats, I should add, it's like... David Cross and Reggie Watts and me have specials coming to this platform. So it's this is like a big deal. But it was officially announced weeks ago. I want to say almost a month ago. It was in Variety. My name was in The Hollywood Reporter. Like all of my team, my management, my agents are celebrating and posting about it. I didn't say anything. Not even to my mother. Because <laughs> oh. I was so scared. I don't know. I don't know that, that this has ever happened to me quite like this. And you've known me for a really long time, Jay. Like, yeah, I just had this crazy paralyzing moment of self-doubt of like, I don't deserve this. They've made a terrible mistake. Like, I can't do this. All of it. And finally this week, now that it's out and tickets are going on sale, like, I'm just, I've started to finally feel really excited. Because, yeah. I, I mean, this is what I've worked so hard for, right? I get to do a version of my live show, the Jesse Krikshank Up Close and Too Personal show, one final time with like a really lovely intimate audience of my people. It's on March 9th in Toronto, one night only. And when I say my people, I mean like I would love to have you there, phonies. Not just because it's like such a fun night out and you deserve something like that to look forward to. It's a real dream come true moment for me and I want to do it with the people who have helped me kind of get there, you know? And I really am nothing without you listening here and supporting me everywhere. So it would mean the damn world if you were in the audience and and in the live special, you know? I said it, Jason. I said it out loud. Yeah, it's real. It's real. It's happening. Tickets are on sale to the general population on Friday, December 8th, but you're not the general population. You can get early access Thursday, December 7th, today, 10 a.m. local time with my code Jesse, J-E-S-S-I. So go to ticketmaster.ca to get tickets. I made sure tickets were super affordable, by the way, and I'm going to sound so much better than Enrique Iglesias live. So um, <laughs> get your tickets. And more, by the way, on that later when we check my voicemail, Jason. We have boots on the ground at the Enrique shows, and they are reporting to us. Enrique Iglesias and Pitbull correspondents are phoning in. And that's what this show is all about. You know what I mean? It's coming together as a community to assess the talents of Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> Speaking of talents and big live shows, Jason, this past Friday night, I tore my groin, literally <laughs> tore something in my crotchal region trying to squeeze into an old pair of PVC pants that I have not worn since birthing three children to go see Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Were you interested in joining me at this film? Are you that you're not? This is not for you. I, I will. First of all, I don't think I was invited. Second of all, I do really <laughs> want to see that one. This one's for me. You do? Well, I invited you to Eras and you didn't come to that. So that's maybe I why know. I didn't invite you. But I, you should have come. <gasps> you're right. You're right. But was this the kind of film where 
people were dancing in circles in the aisles. Okay, I thought it would be, because it should have been, per okay. as was the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, but where we went to see it, Destiny, who you know, my friend and I went, there were literally 10 other people in the crowd. It was like, I, I literally was cutting off the circulation to my lower body to look cute in what I thought would be a group celebratory setting, but it was just me sitting in a dark theater, and every time I would move, my pants were like, <laughs> it was very quiet. In the theater. Okay, that's good intel. There was like two other girls in the back wearing sequin cowboy hats and us, and we were the only people like cheering or dancing. Everyone was just taking in the film as if it was Oppenheimer. <laughs> right. So you can go and say, I, you can safely go. And I think you'll be free and clear of the like tweens dancing and exchanging friendship bracelets. You know what I mean? Okay, great. I don't have to wait six weeks. For it to die down. No, you just have to go like deep into the valley, okay? Because we did check the bigger theaters. Like the Grove was all sold out. The Americana was sold out. So we had to go to kind of like a not cute theater a little bit further away. So maybe that's the secret. Okay. Okay. And I got to tell you, this film was the cinematic experience I wanted it to be and more. And I would never compare to women. We don't pit women against each other here, but way better than the Eras movie. Way better. <laughs> because it's the Eras movie is just the concert, right? So that's like, you know, if you can't afford the $3,000 tickets to see the concert in person, here it is recorded on film. That's what you get. And it's amazing and impressive. But the Renaissance movie has footage from the concert cut together with behind the scenes, like all the behind the scenes shit you've ever wanted from Beyonce is there. You get to see how the stage was built, how the dancers were cast. There's like a 15 minute homage to Blue Ivy, which honestly, probably more Blue Ivy than I needed in the film. If I could, you know, make a note. Yeah. But like, you see the twins in there. You got home videos shot by Jay-Z, who by the way, by the way, is straight up portrayed as a house husband, as he should be. Like after everything he put her through, whatever that was, we still don't know. He deserves to be shown literally just hanging around rehearsals, like eating at the craft services table and watching the kids backstage. Like he is doing nothing in this movie, but supporting his queen of a wife. And that is how he should be portrayed always. That's right. In my opinion, on screen. How old are the twins now? What are they like? They are Rio and Dre's age, almost like they're like a month apart. I know okay. this because we were pregnancy. Um, our, B, B and I had our pregnancy journeys together. So oh, right. We, yeah, remember. we pretty much were like holding hands throughout the whole thing. Shared the same uh, twin specialist. No big deal. Um, yeah, so they're so running as, around like talking like they're... Oh, they're fully People. talking. Okay. And like, oddly, only one of them is really shown in the film. The other one, I don't know what happened. But she really <laughs> favors Rumi, her daughter. So yeah, one of them is, is you see one of them. I think the part for me that really stood out, and I don't know if you've, if you've been seeing clips of this online because it's really been kind of going around, but there is footage of Beyonce putting like the final touches on her tour days before it starts. She's in sweatpants and no makeup the whole time, Jay, and is disconcertingly beautiful. No one should look like that with no makeup, but I digress. So she talks about being a black woman and how she's sort of treated differently because of it. And then there's these scenes 
where you see her like pushing back against what all of these white men on her crew are telling her. There's this one scene where she asks a, a white man working on the show about getting, I think it's like a longer camera track. And he says, yeah, there's no such thing. And she comes back to him and she says, so I just looked up longer camera tracks and actually they do exist. So mm. I'm going to need you to get one. No. It is. Wow. Though, can you imagine if Beyonce was like, I just Googled that shit, Jason, Ooh, and yeah. like, get off your ass and go get it. Yeah. <gasps> That's incredible. It's incredible. And how does the guy react? You don't see the guy react. You don't okay. even see the guy's face on camera. It's He's just, dead now. <laughs> no, you're just looking at Beyonce in a hoodie being like, get the fucking track, asshole. Okay. It's amazing. And it's the most baller moment in the film because I think like, you know, for the first time in my life, other than when we shared our uh, twin pregnancy journey together, I really related to Beyonce. I was like, yeah, I think a lot of people did. Like, women of color certainly felt seen in that moment because if a man can try to dismiss a request from Beyonce whilst she's planning her multi-billion dollar global tour, imagine what men in all other contexts have done and said to other Black women and women of color and women in general. You know, I was watching that thinking for me being a woman out on my comedy tour and I was traveling with a female uh, producer. So we were two women coming into these very male-run venues, dealing with men who are used to dealing with like men in bands or male comedians. And I was constantly having to question and push back against these, these guys in these venues. Like my show required three handheld microphones, which is Beyonce's requires three like football stadium-sized screens. I needed three mics. And I will never forget going into the venue in Winnipeg. And the man was like, oh, we have two microphones for you. And I said, oh, we we requested three. We sent you an email months ago saying we needed three. He goes, yeah, well, one of them broke a little while ago. So you're going to have to make it work with two. And I remember thinking like, would he tell a man you're going to have to make it work with two, even though you have requested three? Like, no. And I said like, well, what would it take to get the third? He goes, oh, I'd have to drive all the way across the city to replace it. And I said, well, you got two hours, so get driving. And he did. And he got the mic. And he probably still tells people that I was difficult or a diva when I was simply asking for like the most basic yeah. need. But I always felt that I had to push back against these men who were like, like dismissing us like girls making demands. And I don't know, I just... What I just did actually was compare my tiny stand-up tour in a Winnipeg theater to Beyonce's global stadium tour. But I really did appreciate seeing her handle a version what I think so many women have had to navigate every single day. And so I left the theater, Jason, thinking like, okay, great. So not only is Beyonce the greatest living performer of our time, but now she's a visionary filmmaker. <laughs> right. Like, it's too much. Yeah. The movie's great. And this is the amazing thing. The movie made over $20 million on opening weekend. It broke records for that particular weekend. And because she didn't make the movie with a traditional studio, Beyonce gets to take home 50% of the box office earnings. That is incredible. I mean, what? <laughs> huh. I mean, I think it's so great. Like, when I went to the film, it was really out of the kindness of my own heart. It was it was my charity work for the holiday mm -hmm. season. And, you know, I wanted to put half of my hard-earned money into the pocket of a person who needs it most. <laughs> right. Beyonce. 
That's why her and Jay-Z have the most expensive home ever sold in California. Is that true? Yeah. It's like in Malibu or something. It's like $300 million. I don't know. Those facts are wrong. But like, yeah, they just bought the most expensive home ever. Oh, my gosh. Because of my $14. Well, you're welcome, B. And thank (laughs) you for a glorious cinematic experience that, Jason, I highly encourage you to go to. Jay, it's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. The Golden Bachelor came to a stunning conclusion last week. First, the day before the series finale, the Hollywood Reporter drops an expose about Gary, our 72-year-old batch. Did you know this, Jason? No. Okay. I have not been really following the Gary's journey. Hang on to your clawfist desk. Let okay. me tell you. <laughs> so when my friend sent this article to the group chat, I was like, nope, not reading it. Not re- This is trash. This is slander. I did not want my golden bachelor to go from like 24 karat to brass. I thought, who has the audacity to write a hit piece about a 72-year-old widower looking to find love again? But they did mostly because apparently the 72-year-old widower has been finding a lot of love since his wife died. So the piece isn't necessarily about how he's like a terrible guy, Jason. It's mostly just about how the picture of him painted on the show is very far from accurate, right? Mm. So... On The Bachelor, they call him a restaurateur. And according to this article in real life, he has not owned a restaurant since 1985. Oh. Instead, he has been working odd jobs. He's worked as a hot tub installer and a custodian ever since. Which, and there is nothing wrong with those jobs. Not at all. But it's just not exactly this like wealthy restaurateur that 22 women were pining for, right? So there's that. That, And that happens on every single reality show, by the way. Like this is not new. Oh my God. I've worked on shows where it's like, Literally, someone works at, like, kernels at the mall, but we label them, like, marketing expert or, like, like, like uh, world-renowned chef. And it's like, just, I don't know, it's just, just what you do. First of all, I'll never recover from you referencing kernels at the mall. <laughs> which, I, I mean— Which I— would I live for a kernel sample? Oh my God, at the Oak Ridge Center as a yeah. child, I would just beeline towards that and put my disgusting little hands into every fucking too, bucket. Because I <gasps> love kernels at the mall. It's Does my kernels favorite place. at the mall still exist? Oh yeah. It has to. It has to. I hope it so. has to. Oh my God. If it doesn't, I'm gonna sorry, Beyonce, but my charity work is gonna go towards saving kernels. <gasps> <laughs> Wow. I mean, listen, also festive holiday season approaching. My mom used to always love uh, like putting a colonel's bag into our stockings. Oh, like the, it, like, um, the, like, like the, the, mini, the red and green one. Yeah, like the mini sack of red and green caramelized yeah. popcorn in the stocking from Colonel's. And you know who helped her with that, Jason? A chef. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a marketing expert or a world-renowned chef working yeah. at Colonel's. Okay, yeah. yes. So that's what reality TV is. It's like taking someone and and trying to make them appear to be better than they are. But then there's an, a second part, Jay. So on the show, he says he hasn't kissed anyone since his wife died six years ago. So turns out he has not only dated, and we assume kissed, many women. He had a longtime girlfriend who he started dating almost immediately after his wife died. Uh, she's sort of the one giving the information in this article. Oh. He apparently lived with her. According to her, he was cheap. 
He made her split the bill when he would take her out. There's like this weird detail that he wouldn't let her come down the stairs in the morning until she made the bed. And then eventually, according to her, he allegedly broke up with her because she gained 10 pounds. Oh, no. Right. But that's shitty behavior. That's like, oh, no, behavior. Yeah. But I also think it's also like kind of like old guy behavior. Like, my 75-year-old dad would definitely make someone split the check. You know what I mean? That's like, it doesn't make him the villain. It just makes him kind of old. But it also doesn't make him, like, the golden god the show has presented him to be. And that's sort of why I think the Bachelor franchise is to blame here. It's the producers who turn the colonel's employee into a world-renowned chef and turn the custodian into a restaurateur. Like, they did this. You know, they must have known the truth. Garrett just kind of went along with that. So that brings us to the season finale. Jason, are you eager, ready, and waiting to know what happened? I I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, who, by the way, when I told him before we recorded that I wanted to talk about The Golden Bachelor, he's like, that's still on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to go on record and say this season finale, which featured, to quote Chris Harrison, RIP, the most shocking Bachelor breakup I have ever seen. Jay, you have not seen a frame of The Golden Bachelor. I know you, you know, prefer to watch your women of a certain age flipping tables on Bravo. So I'm going to give you the Coles notes. Are you ready? Okay, please. Yes, ready. Okay. So Gary narrows it down to two women. You have Leslie, the hot fitness instructor, and Teresa, who he calls Teresa, and I cannot stand it. She's the petite businesswoman with a very large rack. So in my mind, Leslie is the clear favorite, but he takes them both to the fantasy suite, tells them both he loves them and wants to be with them, and I believe they all, to quote Gary, knock boots. A lot of talking about knocking boots, Jason. Too Uh much for my taste. So he emerges from the fantasy suites, suddenly head over heels in love with Teresa, to the point where he can't even fake it with Leslie anymore. That night, she's like, what the fuck? He breaks all the Bachelor franchise rules, does not wait for her to walk down the beachside mountaintop in a gown to break up with her. He breaks up with her right then and there, and she is not having it. Listen to this. So everything you told me the other night was a lie? No, it wasn't a lie. Yeah, it was. Everything you told me the other night was a lie. Everything you told me the other night was a complete and utter lie, Gary. Oh, right? And then, just as you're, like, feeling heartbroken, what ensues is one of the most Fuck yes moments I have ever seen on this show, which, by the way, was being played to the reactions of a live studio audience, inexplicably featuring Jennifer Love Hewitt and Reese Witherspoon's daughter. Roll it. (laughs) Through the night, you made it sound like you chose me. You said things to me that made me think that this was going to be it. You led me down a path, and then you took a turn and left me there, and that's how I feel. (laughs) No. No, don't think that. Doesn't matter, Gary, no offense. I don't... I can think whatever the I want. Yeah. Right now, I'm heartbroken once again, but now I have to do it for the whole world. Yes! Yes! 
She can. She's 64 years old. Mm -hmm. You led her on. You knocked her boots. You humiliated her on (laughs) national television. She can think whatever the fuck she wants, Gary. That's amazing. I love her. I love her too. I'm into it now. I get it. I know. (laughs) I forced Evan to watch the finale with me. He had never seen a frame before. And he turned to me and he goes, oh, wow. This is like amazing to watch grownups experience heartbreak on this show. Right? Because we're so used to watching these 24-year-old dummies who are like sort of upset about the breakup, but mostly upset about the brand trips to Coachella that they won't get anymore. Uh. This was like (laughs) real pain on screen, which we haven't seen on The Bachelor in a minute. And I did say to Courtney Robertson when she was on this show that I hope Leslie doesn't win so that she becomes the first Golden Bachelorette. And uh, this performance, Jason, on the show and in the After the Final Rose was like top level. Hey. Because as a non-Bachelor viewer, you need to know this, Jay. You can seal your spot as the next Bachelor or Bachelorette if you hit three key moments in your breakup and exit monologue. Okay. I should teach classes. Like, Jillian Harris has the Jilly Academy. I should have, like, the Jesse Academy for aspiring bachelors. So, one, you have to be believably heartbroken. Okay? Just, like, absolutely devastated so we feel for you. We need Jason, my producer, to give us that, like, oh, moment. Two, you start to doubt yourself. You say something like, this always happens to me. Why is this happening to me? I may never find love. Mm, good one. Three, you turn the corner in the after the final rose because you've had time to think and reflect and you look amazing and you say, I now know that love is out there. I am more ready than ever to find my person. And you have to say my person because that's unfortunately the vernacular of the bachelor world. (laughs) If you nail all three of those beats as Leslie did, you seal your spot as the next bachelorette. You heard it here first. Thank you for attending the Jesse Academy. (laughs) As for Gary, Jason, I know you're wondering. He announced that he would be marrying Teresa, Teresa, (laughs) in a televised wedding on January 5th. I don't know if I'm tuning in for that. A lot of people think, and this is like true after the Hollywood Reporter thing came out, a lot of people think that like people are wondering why he fell in love with her so instantly in the fantasy suite. I, of course, was like, it's because she has a heaving bosom. Like she's the most amazing breasts I've ever seen. And she's in her 70s. But she also revealed to him in the fantasy suite that she's like a very successful businesswoman and probably makes a lot of money. And now a lot of people think that he's after her money. Oh, no. <gasps> I'm just going to keep believing it's it's the bosom that he wants. Either way, it's been a journey, Gary. And I think I speak for all of us when I say, I wish you well. I wish you well. Oh, 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 oh. I wish you well, baby. What's next? What's next? Hoo-wee! Dim the lights, slip into something more comfortable, and open up a Teen Bop magazine from 1994. It's time for Calling All Thirsty Moms. Calling All Thirsty Moms. This week, heartthrob Jonathan Taylor Thomas was photographed for the first time in two years, and the resounding reaction was what happened to JTT? Listen, 
I'm going to tell you what happened to JTT because I didn't like that. I didn't like that I put a poll on my Instagram stories and it was like 80% of people did not like the way he looked. That is, that was not okay with me. What happened is he got old, just like the rest of us. And so in his defense, I'd like to tell you what I see when I look at the newly surfaced paparazzi photos of JTT. Cue music. Jonathan Taylor Thomas emerged from a Los Angeles convenience store with stubble, a black toque, thick-rimmed glasses, a tan sweater, and a reusable coffee tumbler because he cares about our planet. At first glance, he looks like any other tired-ass, slightly confused 42-year-old dad. But upon closer inspection, behind the glasses and the stubble and the slight bloat, you can see the face that once covered every bop and twist and teen bop from 1990 on. You can imagine under his toque is the floppy undercut that made you flop under your sheets as a preteen. You can close your eyes and feel Simba's raspy growl in your loins. You can look at his practical blue New Balance runners, remembering that, yes, blue is his favorite color and his favorite food is pizza. This is the man whose face adorned our walls, whose initials we wrote in our notebooks, who held our hands through puberty, who we imagined marrying one day, and now we finally know what our future would look like with him if we did. And let me tell you, it still does it for me. He could still reach into my toolbox and let the men on the other side of that fence watch. Because none of us look like we did when Home Improvement was on. So even if he no longer resembles Randy Taylor, I'm still Randy for him. JC plus JTT forever. This has been Calling All Thirsty Moms. Calling All Thirsty Moms. Jason, let me drag you into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you agree that no matter how someone ages, if you had a crush on them at the height of your pubescence, you will always find them attractive? I don't know that I agree with that, but okay. I can see how that okay. could be possible. Wait, why? Like, you know when you watch an old movie mm-hmm. that, like, okay, remember a movie you loved as a kid? Yes, And Titanic. you, like, remember it being iconic, and then you watch it as an adult, and you're like, yes. oh. So you lose your boner for the movie, <laughs> and if, okay, I got you, because I never do. Is that a bad do. metaphor? No, I, but I, I understand. I, there's something, I truly, truly, like, anyone, listen, I'm still, like, deeply attracted to Joey Fatone and A.J. McLean because of the way they made me feel when I was 12, 13, 14, the most formative years of my sexual life. <laughs> oh, God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my high school crush, I'm just going to put this out here. The boy that I was in love with for five years in high school has not aged well, okay? It's very Prince William. But when I see him now, I can't form words. I, I would give it all oh. up Oh, for him, receding hairline and all, because I'm just, the feeling that I had for him all those years ago is still within me. And I'm still looking for the, like, approval of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that's my theory. And uh, again, I will be launching the Jesse Academy to discuss it and <laughs> teach it and put my teachings into a more formal setting. It's a bad photo, I think, but he doesn't look bad. No, 
Oh, and this is the thing. The, the problem is that it was pitched, like the headline is, Jonathan Taylor Thomas makes first public appearance in two years. Like, bitch, that, he, he didn't mean to. He didn't like walk a red carpet or announce that he would be exiting the convenience store. Oh, yeah. Paparazzi just happened to catch him. And if you happen to catch me right now, you would find that I am literally wearing a wrinkly, dirty sweatshirt, old leggings with chocolate milk spilled on them, and a toque that was suspiciously eaten through by moths. Like, <laughs> this is not how I want to be caught, and I don't think that's how Jonathan Taylor Thomas wanted to be caught. Also, he looks like every other 42-year-old man I know. He's he's in the top 10 percentile, okay, of 42-year-old men that I am surrounded by on a daily basis. And so, yes, I would still give it all up for Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Who, by the way, is maybe single. We uh, we don't know the relationship status. There's no ring on that finger holding that tumbler. So <laughs> I've still got time is what I'm saying. I was, can you tell how defensive I was getting? Anyone who slid into my DMs like, ew, what happened? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> it was like, if you come for one of my kids or Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I will cut you. Moving right along. 76-year-old anchor slash journalist Chris Wallace. <laughs> this show is exclusively about men in their 70s or men who may or may not be attractive. Let me continue. <laughs> Chris Wallace, who you might know from 60 Minutes, recently had Adam Driver on his HBO talk show, which I did not know existed. Surprisingly, this sweet old once innocent man is getting Piers Morgan level backlash online for his comments and questions regarding Adam Driver's appearance. Listen to this. You don't look like the typical movie star. Uh, Has that been a help or a hindrance? I, well, I've, I've worked uh, consistently, which is nice with people that I've wanted to, uh, always uh, dreamed that I wanted to work with. And I, so it, it, in that sense, it hasn't. Uh, I look how I look. I can't I can't change that. So I guess it 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 helped me. So Chris Wallace basically <laughs> said, You're ugly. How's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> and then Adam Driver kind of gave like a gave like a calm, cool, collected answer. He later added that the New Yorker once wrote that he had a horse face. So he sort of like leaned into it and had a sense of humor about it. The internet did not find it funny. The internet was outraged. Chris Wallace is being called tasteless, cruel, rude, mean for no reason. And then there were some kinder comments about him. Others said things like, Chris Wallace, you raggedy bitch. <laughs> Men like Chris <laughs> Wallace look like turtles. <laughs> oh. Jason, was it you? Did you make the raggedy bitch comment? <laughs> no, 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 no comment. Because listen, Jason is also outraged by this. Yeah. This is perhaps the most divided you and I have ever been on an issue, an issue of great importance. Adam Driver's attractiveness yeah. and Chris Wallace asking him about it. <laughs> Jason, you didn't think this was okay. No, I thought it was so rude, like inappropriate to ask somebody that. Okay. About like how do your looks affect your job? Okay. When he is a very attractive person. And well put together and well groomed and has a great body. <laughs> I could go on. No, please go on. Let's get that sexy music underneath <laughs> Jason. Please bring it, bring it back. When he is a very attractive person and well put together and well groomed and has a great body. We say that all the time. It's like, oh, why are we focusing on that person's like body? Or like, they, why are we saying they have a baby bump when they don't? It's like, it's the same vein. 
Okay, well, in fairness, you're absolutely right. If this question was asked to a woman, uh, America would storm the Capitol, okay? January 6th, part two would occur. I'm going to say something controversial. I'm with Chris Wallace. Do not unsubscribe to this podcast. (laughs) I think it was a totally fair question. And this is why. This is why. Because yes, Adam Driver is, sorry, what did you say? Well-groomed, great (laughs) body. Is like sexy. He's like got sex appeal. He's tall. He's like, but he is not classically handsome. I would disagree. (sighs) So you would argue that Adam Driver is just like across the board attractive. Everybody, this this is just a, a hot man. Yeah. Wow. Can you send me a picture that would illustrate that point? Oh, wait, you've seen the horse pictures, right? No, I don't oh, know oh, what sorry. is the horse pictures. Um, trigger word. <laughs> trigger, <But. laughs> yeah. Who are you calling a horse, Jason? Uh, um, <gasps> okay, pause the podcast. Jason just sent me uh, an image of, uh, I'll just go ahead and describe it. It's Adam Driver, shirtless, wearing some kind of a high-waisted equestrian legging, sitting atop a horse, holding the horse hair, like really forcefully pulling it uh, in a beach setting. And (laughs) wow, wow. Very vascular. (laughs) Very vascular, a word we do not use enough on this podcast. That is like there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six to eight abs happening. (gasps) Okay, okay. But I still don't think this horse Man, again, trigger triggering language. I still don't think this man is like a classically Brad Pitt, Ryan Reynolds hot. Fair. Agree. But I'd still let him take me away on that horse. Right. Okay? Okay. Just leave those high-waisted pants by the shoreline. In conclusion, Adam Driver is hot. And Jason has resigned from his position as executive <laughs> producer of this podcast. <laughs> What's next? What's next? Okay, I am not sure there has ever been a more requested guest on this podcast than Jillian Harris. So Jason, I know you don't know a lot about Jillian, and when I first brought her up to you, you were like, oh, really? She's so sort of like perfect on Instagram. Would she be a fun guest? Mm -hmm. And I am telling you, she is not at all what you think she might be like if you've just seen, like, the in-feed pics. Because in-feed, she is sepia-toned perfection, okay? Like, hashtag life goals. But off the grid, she's hilarious and kind of, like, dirty and so fun, which is why I get these weekly DMs from phonies demanding an appearance from Jillian Harris on this show. Now, she doesn't do a lot of podcasts, but tis the season for giving. So today, I am giving you, my beloved phonies, exactly what you asked for. Let's phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. I'm calling Jillian Harris. After appearing as a contestant on The Bachelor, she became the first ever Canadian bachelorette in the franchise's history. And then she casually turned her TV fame into a global empire. In design, fashion, food, blogging, YouTube, Instagram, she is one of the most powerful female entrepreneurs on the internet. She has a flawless home, a gorgeous family, a new cookbook called Fresh Food Fuller Hearts out now. So I'm hoping she has time to answer the phone. Hi. Hello, Jillian. Okay, I am so excited to be hanging out with you right now because we hung out, we did a campaign together. Was it Ikea? Ikea. 
Yes. Um, yeah, they should hire us again. I'm I know. looking for some more deals like that. Please. But anyways, that was years ago. That was probably eight or nine years ago. Nine years ago, 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. No, it was not 10 years ago. Well, party skirt, I was with Justin. <gasps> so I was with Justin. So yeah, I'd be like, but I wasn't, I didn't have Leo. So yeah, probably nine years ago. Is that how you date things? Because I do everything through fashion and I was like, I was wearing these low yes. rise leather pants and I would I was, not be wearing a low rise leather pant. I legit was just about to say I was wearing the party skirt. I remember, remember the, the party I was skirt. the green lime party green. skirt. You lime were wearing green. a lime yes. green party skirt. Holy shit. Air horn sound effect for us both remembering what we were wearing yes. nine years ago. Yes. Um, and I got rid of that skirt and I will always, I don't regret much in life, but I regret getting rid of that skirt. <sighs> it was a great skirt. I remember looking at the photos from that campaign, me in my low rise leather pants, <laughs> you in your lime green party skirt and thinking, wow, Jillian really nailed it fashion wise. Like I should have gone with something brighter. So no, compliments look, to the party You were amazing. Skirt. My point is I had okay. so much fun with you on set and what I realized about you you because, you know, people get this vision of people when they see them on TV or social media and whatnot, just like your producer thought that I was like a sweet little girl next door, but I'm really like a badass, wild, kinky. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm actually, I'm actually shouldn't have said kinky, but I'm the farthest thing away from kinky. I wear Leave full bone panties. Leave it in. Yeah. Um, definitely not kinky. I wish I was kinky. Mm. Uh, my husband wished I was a kinky. Anyways. <laughs> Um, but what I realized about you when I met you was that you're so fun and offside and hilarious, like so funny, which if people are listening to this podcast right now, they already know that. But oh. anyhow. Well, Jill, now I feel like we're on a Jilly basis. I can call you Jilly. You call me whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> I really do feel the same way about you. Yes. My producer, Jason, was like, she's so like polished. Are you are you going to be able to like pull the fun out of her? And I was like, pull the fun? Am I going to be able to rein it in? She is. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, and you share so many sides of you, and we're going to get to all of it. Okay. I just want to establish that I am sitting here in my Jillian Harris for Joe Fresh noticed. dress. I noticed. Thank you so much. Did you notice that I'm sipping out of my Jillian Harris Life at Home collaboration cup? I noticed. Thank you so much. You, like, literally brought it all. Thank you so much. No, I didn't have to bring it. I wear this regularly, and this is the cup I sip out of for podcasting purposes, also life. So right now I'm getting a full Jillian Harris immersive experience. Yeah, I love it. I love it. How often do you find yourself like wearing, using, spraying, sipping out of, sitting on all things Jillian Harris? The other day I was doing something and I was just laughing at myself because I had like the Jillian Harris backpack and I had the Jillian Harris glasses <laughs> and I had the Jillian Harris dress and then I was wearing the watch and I was like, I think I was going through the airport and I saw somebody else in a similar outfit and I was like, I can see, I can see my people. Like, you know, they, have you ever watched the show Live to 100? And no. it's all... Okay, it's on Netflix, and I'm, it's, I love it because it breaks down how to have longevity in life, and it's just like the simple things that we take for granted, like community. And so anyways, one of the things I love so much about what I do is in a world where we're so busy all the time, yes. I have my community out and about everywhere, and I can spot them, and I can see them. So everywhere I go in the world, I look for the backpack, I look for the dress, I can know where my people are. It's amazing. Oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah, and it's also, cool. I should paint a vivid picture of you right now because you are sitting in a gorgeous, festive red sweater, a red oh, knit. Yes. You're on a high back chair with like a casual green throw slung <laughs> over the chair. Like it feels like this is peak Jillian Harris season, you know? Like are you in your beautifully decorated home, which I imagine smells like fresh baking and pine? You know, actually, it's funny because 
Um, it, it actually, what you're saying is all correct. Mm-hmm. But what something happens to me on November 30th. Okay. Um, when the clock strikes 12 on November <laughs> 30th, it is like I have got speed running through my veins. Like everybody is concerned about me. I stay up till two or three in the morning. <gasps> I'm like, you know, Magda from something about Mary, how she's just like freaking wired on drugs and she's like cleaning. I remember Magda. What a and reference. She's like, yes. Like, that is me for the entire month of December. Then I crash on in January. Everybody hates me. I hate everybody. But the month of December is my month. <laughs> you're literally this. You're literally breaking out of the ice like Mariah yeah. Carey, being yeah. like, it's, it's time. time. It is Jilly time. It goes yeah. like Santa, Jesus, Mariah, Jillian Harris. Exactly. Exactly. Please. I love it. Um, oh. Okay. So people aren't seeing this right now because sometimes no. people see it. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, so I'll slow no, we down. have to create a vivid mental picture of like I'll slow the down. flawlessly organized shelves behind you. Why do you have to slow down? Because I talk so fast and whenever I do podcasts, people are like, oh, she talks so fast. I couldn't hear the things she was saying and I get excited. So No, please do not slow down. Okay. I have so many questions that I need to ask you. We need to get through this shit okay. fast, okay? Because okay. 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 I'm going okay. way back. Because before we talk about this incredible empire of watches and backpacks and sweaters that you have built... I want to take you back to 2009. You are this Canadian gal born in northern Alberta. Is that where you grew up? Northern yeah, Peace Alberta. River, like population like 7,000. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Peace River. I am an Al- I was born in Alberta as well. Familiar. I think you're like living in Vancouver at the time. I read that you're at this time you're an aspiring designer who is helping to design cactus club restaurants. Is yeah. this accurate? Cactus and browns. (gasps) Brown social house? Yeah. Uh, Do you know how many spinach artichoke dips I've had there? (laughs) Absolutely. I said, do you remember browns like as if it's passed on or something? It's still alive and well. (laughs) You go to Calgary at 5 p.m. on a Friday, the browns is popping. So wait, you're doing your brown social house cactus club. And this is like peak The Bachelor. We are all watching this show, but yes. none of us up in Canada are thinking like, I'm going to go compete on it. What makes you, this Canadian girl, say like, I'm going to be on that show? So my parents, it's all my parents. My parents, I'm an only child and my parents were like always like, you can do whatever. Like they didn't tell me to go on the show, but my parents <laughs> instilled in me yeah. that I could do whatever I want and there was no idea too crazy. And at that time, if anybody's listening that from Vancouver, the dating scene in Vancouver is terrible. I just wanted to become a mom. I wanted to be in love. And my job at Brown's Cactus then was like a little bit like complicated. And um, so I was watching the show and now at the show, it's like, if you like to become on The Bachelor, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I was like, yeah, of course I want to make out with a bunch of guys. And like, <laughs> well, of course, who doesn't want this right now? Like, I think it was like, October, and back then, me and my girlfriend, um, we called October, that time of year, October Schlong, November Dong. Absolutely because we were just did. W- yes. wanting to find anything, but yes. we never find anything. Yeah. So I was like, this is the way. Um, so when I went out to apply, it said American citizens only. Uh, but I was like, oh, come on. Like, I'm sure they're going to let a few of us through. And so I, I just... There's actually a really funny story, and I don't know how much time we have for this, but I did the application. Yes. I did the video, and my cousin Tori, who held like the little digital camera for me uh-huh. at the time, was oh, like, "Oh yeah, you needed like a camcorder." Yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Why? Why are you doing this?" I still have the application video, by the way. It's <gasps> so embar- it's embarrassing. It's so bad. Anyways, and I said, "Well, partly because I want to fall in love, but I had also just been let go of Cactus Club. Like there had been a weird thing, and what." 
the owner of Cactus Club had said to me at that time, Richard Jaffray, who kind of reminded me of like Mr. Burns. Like he was like, you oh. just don't belong here. And he said to me, you should be on TV. <gasps> and I was kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, I'm just going to go and get a job on TV. Like, I'll just yeah, march right. out of this office and just go <laughs> like. So anyhow, so when I was like watching The Bachelor, I was thinking there's a few things I could accomplish here. I could fall in love. I could travel. Maybe I could make some money and maybe I could meet somebody and maybe I could get on TV. Like all of the things. Sure. So I told my cousin Tori that, and she goes, but what's your passion? Like, what do you actually want to do long-term? And I said, I'd love to be able to give back and do renovations on TV, like something like Extreme Makeover Home Edition. That was like really something that I loved. you later went on to do. Go on. So I actually did an application video for both. Oh, at that time. Okay. I did an application video for both and then I slept on it and I and then I did some research and I found out that they don't just take like people from the street to be on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. They, they're, they're celebrity designers. Right. So I, I had to become a celebrity first. So I was like, fuck, okay, I'm going to go for the falling in love yeah. and, and becoming a celebrity. So I applied on The Bachelor and I just got it. I just... Got it. I told a really dirty, dirty joke. So so dirty. Tell me, tell me. In your application video? Yeah. And that's what got me. That They basically (gasps) said to me that that joke is what... What was the joke? What is the difference between jam and jelly? I don't know. You can't jelly your dick up my ass. (laughs) Oh my God. I was was not expecting that. Wow. So it was a video that was like, here I am. am. Take me or leave me, Mike Fleiss. It was the second one. So the first one was really cute and really wholesome. And then I hit them. So I showed them that I could be funny and pure and cute and also really nasty and hilarious. Please. So I wanted to show both sides. My producer, Jason, is is listening to this and he is shaking right now, by the way. (laughs) The impression that he had of you has been absolutely destroyed in the first five minutes. Sorry, I, no, I feel bad. No, this is amazing. Yeah. So then you go on The Bachelor, you compete, you're like on Jason Mesnick's season, and then you become the first Canadian bachelorette, which is like, yes. I honestly don't know who the first Canadian was to land on the moon, but I know that you were the first Canadian in Bachelor franchise history. Like, I you know are, what's funny? Is that they? There was like legal implications to that that nobody thought of, including myself and them. Like once I became engaged to Ed, and I was like, "Perfect, I'm engaged to Ed." Then one day I just got like stopped at the border, and they're like, "You can't do that. You can't just live in the states and be engaged. You have to like apply." They're like, "You can't just be work. Are you working? You're not." You're, right. Then people were seeing me on TV. Nobody did their due diligence. Nobody <gasps> did their work, and so I ended up actually getting trapped in a hotel room. Then nobody knows this. I'll write this in my memoir one day in Toronto for like seven days with nothing because I was trying to get back to my stuff and to my fiance in Chicago. And I just was stupid. Like, I just was thinking, oh, well, if the ABC is going to hire me to do this, then surely somebody is going to allow me to come and be married to somebody in the States. Please, ABC has a direct line to immigration, actually. The minute they let someone on The Bachelor, they're immediately granted citizenship. <gasps> Seriously, yeah. So, yeah, I know it was pretty good. So, yeah, I don't know why they made that decision, but we ended up figuring it out in the end. And I... 
I, yeah, I, yeah, that was a complicated process. But yeah, and then I was on The Bachelor. Like, who would have thought? Like, who would have thought? thought? And I remember like taking a break from The Bachelor and then coming back for your season because you were not a typical bachelorette. Was there any point where the producers were like, Mike Fleiss tried to turn you into one? How do you know this? I don't know. I'm asking. What happened actually is remember that season, Jason picked Melissa. Oh, I remember. Yeah, this was the first real flop. Yeah, I was the second runner-up. So uh-huh. I was like the best friend, whatever. So, um, and Mike Fleiss never did like me because I'm short, I have no boobs, I'm not that feminine, I tell dirty jokes, I have a raspy voice. He doesn't like Canadians. He didn't like my accent. So he never really liked me. He didn't want me to make it, but I did. Wow. Yeah, so then he picked Melissa and then let Molly go. But then he changed his mind. Oh, he sure did. So they actually wanted Melissa... They wanted Molly to be the bachelorette. <gasps> yes. But then they couldn't because he was going to Molly. So then they ran to Melissa and they wanted her to be the bachelorette, but she hated the franchise so much after <gasps> that. She was like, fuck you guys. I don't want anything to do with this. And so they had no choice. <gasps> they had no choice. But then to ask me, I was like their third <gasps> select. They're like, oh, fuck. Like I was totally their like floppy, sloppy wow. seconds. Wow, sloppy thirds. Really? Sloppy thirds. And I was also really messed up from that whole experience. Like... So when you go on the show, they actually make you go through like intense, at least they did back then, like psychological analysis to find out like if you're fucked up or not. And (laughs) what they found out about me is they actually encouraged me, this uh, psychologist sat down with me and she encouraged me not to go on the show. And she was like, you, I'm very loyal and I love really hard and I fall really hard. And I'm one of those people that whenever I got dumped, like I was like not in a good place. Like I do not deal with rejection well. And so she was like, I'm just afraid with like your mom being through depression and everything you've been through in your life, that if you get heartbroken, that you're going to spiral, like you're not going to be well. Uh huh. And I was like, ooh, that sounds like it's going to be interesting. (laughs) So anyways, I went on it anyways. But when I did come off the show, I was actually very depressed Mm. and not well. And I was drinking a lot and I wasn't making good decisions. And so I was like, I'm never going to do anything like this again. So when they asked me to be the bachelorette, you know when Homer Simpson, when he means to say something in his head, but he blurts out something else? Yes. And your references I, are actually killing me. Continue. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, Mr. Like, Burns, Homer Simpson, <laughs> like, please go on. Um, Meg Daff from something about Mary. Meg Daff from something about Mary. (gasps) I just could not, I just couldn't say no. I just, I was like, I have to do this. So I, I did it. Wow. And the rest is literal history. Yeah, literally. Wow. Yeah. So that experience sort of fucked you up. It did. Yeah. And I, even when I came off of the bachelorette and I was engaged to Ed, all I wanted to do was just be married and have kids. Uh-huh. But he was kind of screwing around on me. Remember, he had two girlfriends. He was like, it was so sad and so terrible. And I remember going to events in Chicago with literally like Obama, Elton John, Oprah, sitting like beside them and not even, just literally not even giving a shit. Like, I was just like, this is so stupid. I just want to, I want, just want this guy to love me. That's all I wanted. <sighs> I just wanted him to love me. I was like, I had like pretty much the key to this city. Like, uh-huh. I I got my period on Kid Rock's counter Wait, at a party. What? Oh, like, dear God. No, I, like, but, uh, like the crazy, I did the coolest things, but I just didn't care, Jesse. I didn't care. I just wanted 
Ed to love me. This That's was all I wanted. All in that post bachelorette period. Yes. You're with your man. He's in Chicago. You guys are living this life. You're like peak bachelorette celebrity couple at that time. Yes. That's why you're getting invited to go have your period at Kid Rock's party yeah, and so to weird. sit near Obama. Right. Okay. But I hope you I can just tell want to be loved. Yeah. And yeah, I just what be is loved. this? Two girlfriends. The only thing I remember, and by the way, like, the things that have stuck in my head are quite sad because I don't know, yeah, you know who too. the prime minister was at that time, but I do yeah. remember that like Ed had a hard time getting it up in the fantasy suite yeah, on he your would, season. Yeah, he was not. I don't know. Why did I pick him? I think he was just tall and had dark hair and he, he was, was kind of goofy. He was yeah. kind of goofy, and I yeah. like that about him. Yeah, but yeah, no, the the situation in the sack was not impressive at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. It never got better. It never got better. I'll mm-hmm. probably get a nasty email from him again, which I normally do after any time I talk about him. Wow, publicly. wow. It's like I'm like, bud, you 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 should have gone on the show. I mean, that's kind of the way Wait, it works. And moved on. He's married and he's got the most gorgeous, I shouldn't say this because I, I shouldn't know because I stalked, but I did yep. look at some of the most gorgeous babies, got oh. a beautiful house. He's, oh, please. He's doing great. He's great. doing fine. Good for he's Ed. Doing fine. Let's move along. You finished The Bachelorette. There's no Instagram at the time. There's no concept of an influencer. How do you decide you're going to harness this fan base, this Kid Rock period energy and celebrity <laughs> that you have and start to like build a business. What is it conscious at the time? Did you know that this was a personal brand you were building? No, I didn't know what that meant. So what happened was is after I went on The Bachelor, Extreme Makeover Home Edition contacted me. And uh, I was like, but they didn't know that I even applied. I never uh, sent in the thing. Oh my so God. it was just like a fate thing. And so wow. I, through them, got an agent. So my agent, he represented Joy Behar, Ty Pennington. He'd worked with Oprah. So he'd worked with some like really big celebrities. Also, he worked with Joanna Gaines and Chip at the time. Mm. And so he had a really big vision for me. And basically what he wanted to do is just license my name and image on like every product around. Right. And I had a hard time with that at that time because I love having creative control. I didn't want to just put my name on anything. And so what... I really loved was I loved my community. So I had Facebook. Mm. I had Facebook and I loved chatting with everybody on Facebook. And then also a sad part of this that I'm sure will get brought up in therapy at some point Uh is that because I'm a people pleaser, I started finding these forums and I started finding these forums about people trashing me. She has an ugly nose. (gasps) She's annoying. Her voice sucks. She's this, she's that. And so I was obsessed with proving to people that I'm worthy of them. Like I just wanted them to love me. And so I just was got addicted to social media as many people do in teens and whatnot. I just wanted to to show them how amazing I was so that they would say nice things about me. Like that's wow. sad, but that's just kind of what I wanted to do. And so Bill kept on being like, this is a waste of your time. You're not going to make any money on this, but I just wanted to love my community and I wanted, and I wasn't fake. I, I really do think I'm a good person. I really right. wanted them, everybody thinks I think they're a good person. And so I was wanting to share my recipes and my vacations and what's near and dear to my heart. And so I started blogging and writing, thinking that if only people got to know me a bit more, maybe they wouldn't say those awful things about me. Like, why would they talk about my nose and my voice? if they really knew who I was. So I started sharing like everything I could share on my blog and social media. And meanwhile, Bill's like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're doing this looking for approval. You're not doing it for money, for business. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
So, but my family does come from entrepreneurship. So I think maybe in the back of my mind, but I really was also was passionate about it. Like I did like, there were people that didn't like me, but there were thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that you have that community. And when you're traveling so much and living in Vancouver was lonely, for me, it was like a connection. So, but then what happened is I got approached by somebody that used to run Lauren Conrad's site and they were like, you can actually make money off of your site. So they kind of taught me how to do it. And then we started monetizing the site. Um, and then after that, um, Instagram sort of came to be and, um, then partnerships and people were always asking, where'd you get this? Where'd you get that? And, yeah, it kind of just came to be. What, what came to be, if I may <laughs> jump in, just came to is me. a literal yeah. empire, okay? I would like for you to just sit back as I list off a few of the projects, businesses, I'm like swall- and I'm collabs like, <laughs> you have on the go. Please, feel proud. Don't feel anxious. Here we go. A clothing line with Smash and Tess, a Lucky Charm collection with Melanie Alt, a home decor collection with The Cross, an e-vintage web store called Charlie Ford Vintage, a line of clothing and home essentials with Joe Fresh, a lifestyle blog and YouTube channel that covers fashion, food, design, and travel, a plant-forward cookbook, multiple cookbooks, in fact, a quarterly subscription box, the Jilly Box, all that plus you've starred in TV shows like Love It or List It, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Canada's Handyman Challenge, and Jillian and Justin. You also have two small children and a partner. Is there anything I missed? No, I think you pretty much, when I hear that, I'm like, oh my God, I should have a nap. I need a nap just from listing (laughs) those things. How do you do all of it? Life is so short. Like I actually think about death a lot. Okay. And I get like- Hence you're watching a How to Live to 100. My God. I think it's just because you only, I'm going to actually cry, I think, because you literally only get one chance. Like, I'm literally tearing up. You get one chance at life, like one chance, and then you're done. And so, like, I, I'm a little bit emotional right now because I stumbled upon this, like, TikTok, which is just, like, Reddit. It could be, like, such a terrible space where people are so mean. I got a little bit defensive about these people that are, like, her stuff's too expensive, her stuff's too cheap, she's, she's too this, she exposes her kids. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is terrible. But really, in reality, I feel so bad for these people because they're choosing their, their time on Earth this is how they're spending their time, like, to to criticize others. Um, and while, of course, I'm a person of influence and I would love for people to, quote-unquote, hold me accountable if that's what we're doing to people these days, I've tried everything. Like, I've done it all. I've, I've, I've been vegan. I've been zero waste. I've tried to do this. I've tried, I've tried, and I've realized no matter what, people are going to still hate me for something. So I just got to focus on the person who I am, try to do the best version of it. And so in terms of, like, how did I do everything— I just get so excited about like the possibilities of what is capable while we're still alive. And when I have an idea, I have an idea. I'm like, I just got to try that and see if it works. And not all of them are a success. Like we lost tons of money with Charlie Ford. And um, I was hoping I'd get another Canadian tire line this year. And I didn't because it didn't do as well, I think, as they thought. And like, you know, there's a lot of things about my brand that I'm constantly trying to analyze. Like people want things that are affordable, but they don't want things that are made overseas. People want things that are made in Canada, but they don't want to spend more than 25 bucks. Like, it's like, I'm always trying, I'm still trying to please after 15 years, I'm still trying to please everybody. But at the same time, I'm, what I'm trying to do is focus on this moment that I'm healthy and I'm alive. And I just want to like seize the day. I just want to seize the day. And I just want to try to do as much as possible before I croak. (laughs) 
I'm guilty of doing this. I'm talking about, you know, in my past, I used to look at negative comments and really have a hard time with them. As you mentioned, right? Yeah. Like when you first started. But the fact that you're here 15 years later saying, no, it still gets still. to me. It yeah. still makes me emotional. I still want to try to please everybody. It is so refreshing. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's no. exhausting over here, but I'm glad you find it yeah, refreshing. I mean, I do, I'm just like, kidding. Just I'm just hear, kidding. To I'm just hear from someone like you yeah. that like that shit still bothers you yeah. because you're still putting your heart and soul into everything and you want everyone to love it. Like that yeah. I I really thank you for Oh my god, and being you'll honest. laugh so you'll laugh so much because I I don't go on TikTok much, but once yeah, in no, a while I, I do. Turn it on. Yeah. yeah, and I found this person um and I actually really like her um account. Well, no, I don't like her account. She's all about like thrifting. Uh-huh. So I like that about her, but the rest of her account is basically calling out different corporations and influencer industry and whatnot, which I get. Like, all mm-hmm. of it can be problematic. I totally understand that. And I'm always trying to balance um, running a business that gives back, that employs people, that pays people well, that does good, and also making money. Like, I'm trying to balance that, you know, and that's not easy. But anyhow, um, I'm reading it. And I'm like on the couch and I should be with my kids, but I'm kind of festering. Uh-huh. And just, Justin can see, he's like, what's going on over there? I'm like, oh, this fucking woman is just, <laughs> she's upset about my Canadian tire mugs being sold already. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm just, I want to just respond to these people. And he's like, just don't respond. Just be with your family. Let it go. You're doing a good job. Just don't respond. And I'm like, it's not that easy. So anyways, I wanted to do something. I was trying to figure out how I could block her maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I don't know TikTok that well. And I, <laughs> oh, no. I accidentally re shared. No. no. <laughs> and so I'm messaging my team. I'm like, fuck girls. I accidentally, how do I do this? What do I do? No. I'm, tr- I'm trying. To, I'm like, I reshared no. it to my, to my platform. So I'm getting all my people to see all these other people that hate me. Oh, oh. my God. I thought I was going to have a freaking heart attack last night. But anyways. That it's this fun. happened last night. Last night. This is the most relatable shit I've ever heard. I have a segment on this podcast called What's Hot on TikTok because myself and the elder millennial women who listen don't know. Don't I mean, know. it is a oh mystery. My gosh. And oh now my I God. know that what's hot this week is that Jillian Harris reposted a video of a woman criticizing her by <laughs> accident. That's yeah. incredible. I'm so but, sorry. But anyways, what was the point of this? Yeah, I still I I still get so I'm going into this this podcast with you and I'm going into it with this feeling like I'm still fucking up, like I'm still not doing it right and like this imposter syndrome and I'm just like God, like I don't know what to do if I if I scale back too much, I'll have to let more team members go, and I can't donate, you know, two hundred thousand dollars a year into our community or more than that. I can't, I can't have a voice. I can't. But then if I if I ramp it up too much, then all of a sudden, um, you know, another thing they were saying is like, oh, these events that we put on, it's like cult following, and I'm like, it's called the fucking community, people. Yeah, yeah. it's called the community. It's yeah. what I called it. It yeah. can be. You can come for me if you want to, but the friendship that you make while you're there and getting everybody together and drinking wine and dancing and having fun. Like, anyways, I gotta let it go. But allow me to be your therapist for one moment. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, I need it. Because 
it's just all of it comes out of a place of jealousy or envy or themselves not feeling worthy or wanting to achieve what you have achieved. That's what it yeah. is. Or maybe you're just not aligned with that person anymore. Like there are some people that are like, oh, I just I just don't like her anymore, which is totally fine. But then when you go on and you have to like complain about it publicly, yes. it's like, what does that even do for anybody? But you know what else? I would take it as a big compliment because you, this means that you have become so big that Jillian Harris is a brand that someone can trash and try to like bring down publicly, not a person. Oh. It's like you are the Britney Spears of the influencer community. <laughs> People are fascinated by you and want to talk about you. And I think you should take it all as a compliment. I'm going to do a Britney Spears um, Instagram story for oh you God, after yes. that. I'm going to get my low-rise shorts on. Mm-hmm. I'm a going top. a bra mm-hmm. top. Yeah. And I'm going to... Dance. I'm I'm heading down. I'm going to head down that path one of these days. <laughs> just kidding. I just as long as she's happy, I'm good. As long as she's happy. As long as, as, long she's, as she's happy, happy. happy. she happy. Yeah. For your brand, <laughs> that might open up a new community for you, a new <laughs> following, and I would support it. Can I just ask about your kids? You mentioned your kids because this happens to me all the time, and I have to be better at setting boundaries. Do you have boundaries when it comes to like when you're on your phone, what you will share, what you won't share, sure. when you have to like stop posting about your kids to actually spend time with your kids? Like, how yeah. do you balance that? So when they were younger, I had the camera in their face all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, which I guess I regret, but like, I'm human too. I'm not a perfect mom, but I'm doing my best. Yeah. And a part of their life um, that is beautiful comes from this business too, you know, where they get to travel and the home that they live in. And like, you know, the fact that they get to give back to their community when the fires happened, the little kids in their class were writing them thank you letters to give to me for everything. Like, like wow. that's really cute. Like, so yeah. there's a lot of actually good things that come from it. Of course. But there are times as a parent, I feel guilty because they're not consenting. Like sometimes we'll go somewhere. We were in Italy and mm-hmm. somebody recognized the kids and they're like, how did they know me? Uh-huh. And so this has happened to me before. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I guess I hope, um, I guess that's a bit reckless to say as a mother, I hope that the benefits outweigh the cons as they continue to grow older. Uh-huh. This is kind of like the wild, wild west. We don't really know what the impact could be. And so I I hope for the best that one day they're not like, fuck mom, now look at there's a thousand little Leos running around because somebody like stole my face and name and now what? You know, like I don't know. But anyways, I used to have used to have my phone all the time. Now Justin and I try our best basically once the kids get home to not be scrolling on social media. And if we're going to do a quick story, we do a quick story and put it away. Mm -hmm. But having said that, there's times that they're on their iPad or watching TV or playing Lego and, you know, you get on there. I just do my best to balance. I don't have like a specific threshold or anything. Right. I just try to use my my common sense in my brain and go like, okay, time to put the phone away. Yeah. Um, but the phone is just a problem. It's just in general. I know. My rule is like, if I'm posting about my kids whilst ignoring my kids, yeah. I need to stop. Yeah. Like right. if I'm posting oh, yeah, about I do. motherhood and I'm not yeah. being a good mom, like yeah. fuck yeah. me. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh That's no, I the just rule. I literally just did that. Last night uh, of Leo, he had his sunglasses on. He was all hopped up on sugar. And so I was trying to post the story, but like the autocorrect wasn't working. And meanwhile, Annie's like, mom, mom. And Justin's like, can you attend to your children? And I'm like, I have to get the story up first. So yeah, I I fuck up there too. But I have seen, I have heard stories of parents actually fucking up with raising their kids. And I don't think 
I think that we're still doing a good job. No, you're not. You're yeah. not. They're yeah. not going to sue you in 10 years for like, no, yeah, no. You're fucking uh, better please. not. No, please. <laughs> My <laughs> husband, by the way, is the same. He'll be like, put down your fucking, like, yeah. he like, will set the boundaries for me. Can yeah. I ask about, Justin, who is your partner, not your husband? Yes. Is he your husband? Are you He's married? my partner. We're not He's married. He's your partner. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but by the way, like, can you get married at some point so we can see a Julian Harris wedding? Everybody That's all wa- we need. You know what? I why I can't do it. I've realized it's mm. the questions. It's the people on the day of and leading up to it asking me so many questions. It takes away the joy for me, and I don't want to do this. Throw a party for everybody else while I am hustling, trying to like answer the questions. This is what's going to happen here. That's going to happen. This is where the thing is. That's where the rehearsal is. This I, that's just annoying for me. That's so annoying. So I just don't want to do it. Oh, it's the party planning of it all for you. Yeah, and I love planning a party uh-huh. when I'm when it's when I, it's my gift to somebody else. Yeah. But this is my gift right. to me. Right. Okay, so we're partners. We are partners. We are partners. You, when you met <laughs> Justin, I imagine like he had he was doing his own thing, had his own career. He's now a legitimate and I think full-time dad yeah. influencer. Yeah, influencer. Totally. Can you tell me about that transition? Like, did he take the Geely Academy courses? <laughs> How did that all go down? I tried to get him to take it, and he asks me questions all the time. And I'm like, chapter three in Geely Academy, here's the video. <laughs> yeah, but come I to realized this fall session. Yeah. yeah. So he actually was a pro snowboarder. And then quit that career because we got pregnant. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I just say like in 2006 to nine, I was like, my only destiny was to marry a pro snowboarder. Oh my gosh, what? I mean, when you're Canadian, there's nothing hotter than like a man in a flat brimmed cap who snowboards for yeah. a living. I'm he now very pretty... grateful I did not make that yeah. choice for myself. Yeah. But at the time, that was the pinnacle of hotness. Continue. Of hotness. So yeah, he was very hot and I really liked that. And so um, I think he could just tell like I was ready to settle down and he was like, how long am I going to do the snowboarding thing for? So he actually went working for his dad who's in commercial real estate uh-huh. and developed And so he worked for his dad for a while, but it became complicated because his dad didn't give him, his dad was like, I'm your boss and you have to work and you only get two weeks paid vacation and yada, yada, yada. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to Paris. Let's go do this partnership. And so he, he was starting to get more followers via me. And then the odd little partnership would come his way and his dad would be like, well, you got to book the time off if you want to go to do that. And so actually what happened was, is right around COVID, he smoked, but he quit smoking. He became like a hypochondriac and I was like, you can't be a hypochondriac and smoke. Like I can't listen to you complaining about your health while you're out there having a cigarette. Uh So he quit smoking, which was a lot like all this adrenaline when you're not when you're a pro snowboarder and you're smoking and then you quit those two things that give you all that adrenaline. Right. I think caused him to go into like a bit of a panic. And then we went to um, Vancouver Island and he shattered his ankle in like a thousand pieces. And I think he was, he just, it was like a moment in his life where he's like, fuck, I don't love working for my dad, but I love my dad. I, I'm going crazy from quitting smoking. I'm a fucking hypochondriac. I think I've got like brain cancer, lung cancer, like everything, everything, like every single day. And he's like, and now I have the shattered ankle. So he took a sabbatical from his dad. And I just said to him, just try influencing. Like you are a good guy. You're funny. People love like you, you're you. He works so good with the kids. Mm-hmm. Just try. I bet you you could make as much money as you made for your dad. Um, but then you could run your own brand. And yeah. so he basically 
went at it and he's got a full-time employee and they're a great team and they do all kinds of give back opportunities and he's just like he loves it so it works really good it works good for the family which is nice oh my yeah. god i'm telling you if anybody's listening and you want to you're thinking about getting into it people talk down about the industry right, right. but it can be great like you mm-hmm. can work from home mm-hmm. you can decide your voice if you if there's something that's important to you be, beyond selling things you can have that voice um you can work with your kids you have flexible schedule. You can work with small brands. You can help other brands. There's a lot of good things that can actually come from doing it. Absolutely. And yeah. men are underrepresented in the influencer yeah. space. It's about time men had some opportunities, Jimmy. I agree. Yeah, those poor men. Those poor men. Oh, those poor uh, things. They need some opportunity. <laughs> I did actually talk to uh, the Birds Papaya. She was also on my podcast, Sarah. Oh, yeah, she's And awesome. she talked about, like, she really flipped my view of the term influencer because it's such yeah. a... It's like women have been empowering themselves through this job. And I think for you, your career must sometimes feel like a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you're your own boss. You can control your own schedule. You can go on these fabulous trips and include your kids in your work. At the same time, you don't, you know, like Justin's previous job, you don't get weekends and holidays, right? Yeah. You're always on. You have to share. You have to post. Do you ever just want to hide and shut it all down? Yeah. So last summer, we just kind of surprised the kids and we went to Kauai for a week and right as I was walking out the door I had my phone in my hand and I was Instagramming and I looked at it and I put it down and I walked out and I left <gasps> my phone at home. No, you did not. I left my phone at home and I did not have a phone. Justin didn't even realize it until I was on the plane. I had no phone. I couldn't like figure out the schedule. I didn't know how to pick up the car rental. I didn't even know where our hotel was. I didn't have any of the check-in information. I was like, I was like, I just got to the, I just did it. I just went. We just went. <gasps> This is so stupid that I'm reacting like this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. But how was that experience? Because I've never done it. Taking a poop without your phone uh. is so strange. <laughs> Just staring at the wall I'm sorry, in your that's own thoughts. The takeaway. That, that is, is like, all- did you really re- enjoy every moment? The sense, the sounds, the family. And Jillian Harris is like taking a shit without a phone. Is staggering. That's my biggest <gasps> takeaway. Is wow. it, it changed pooping for me <laughs> for a week. Wow. Wow. Well, even that is just worth experiencing. No, it was amazing. And actually, we're going away for Christmas also to Hawaii. And Mm. I'm thinking about doing the same, maybe. But what I had realized leading up to that is every funeral, every birth, I had a full film crew in while I was pushing Leo out. Like everything has been documented. Every engagement, I got engaged on national television documented. I got engaged to Justin, documented. Got engaged a second time to Justin because I threw away my ring. That's a whole other story. Documented. All of my kids' births, documented. Grandma's funeral, documented. Like every single weekend. I do not think that there's been, maybe there's been five days in the last 10 years where I haven't posted something in 24 hours. And people think that I'm just living my life, but that is working. When you're posting, you are engaging with your community. You're you're giving them content to consume. Mm. It is work. Like Mm -hmm. it is... It is, it is, I mean, I'm not saying it's hard work, but it is your, it's a type of work. So anyhow, um, yes, sometimes I just want to throw it out the window. um, But I have to say, I do love it. Yeah. I do love it. I'm complaining. I'm complaining about this person, that person, but there's a reason why I still do it. And 
their 99.9% of the followers are lovely. They're amazing. It's such a good community. I love creating. I love making them laugh. I love coming up with new recipes. I love, you know, like I love it all. Mm -hmm. Even the times where it gets wild, it's exciting. So it's a pretty cool business and I'm glad that it, it, I'm glad that I was able to get on board when it came to be because I, no, I really feel grateful. you didn't get grateful. on board. You, <laughs> you, you were the uh, conductor at the front of the train. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, there are so many things that I did not get to ask you about, so we yeah, will need to do really a part true. two. Before okay. I let you go, we end every episode with a game. Um, Jillian, we all love to be influenced by you. And with the holidays upon us, I would like to know how you would handle some common holiday conundrums with a game mm. I'm calling, What Would Jilly Do? What would Jilly do? I love it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to list an awkward scenario. You fill in the blank. How you would react or respond as fast as you can. Are you ready? Yes. Cue festive music. Hmm. Your cousin gets wasted at a Christmas Eve party and does a strip tease to Mariah Carey's album. What would Jilly do? I would crank the music and turn on some lights. And I would be like, get my camera out. That sounds, I, I'm literally thinking to myself, that's my cousin Steph. My cousin okay. Steph, she's okay. doing it. And I'm going to expect that of her next Friday. Absolutely. And you're you're enjoying every minute. Okay. Yeah, and that's something that would happen at our house. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I get a sense. I ju- like just living vicariously through your Instagram stories. I get a sense. You forget to get your gay best friend a gift. He's coming over in five minutes. What would Jilly do? Oh, I would get him our Fresh Food Fuller Hearts box, which is our cookbook. Mm. And it has a cookbook stand, oven mitts, apron, a little art sign that says La Cuisine. It all comes in a little box. It's so great. He can have it in his kitchen. He can entertain. It's beautiful. You can get it at the Jilly box. Oh, I love that. JillyNews.com, everybody. Okay. (laughs) Your uncle brings up politics at a family dinner. What would Jilly do? I would be right, and I would I make a stink, and I hold my ground, and I definitely don't play it cool. I know I do not play it cool. I'm opinionated, and if you don't like it, there's the door, and that's literally happened also at our... But, you know, I'm, I'm nice. I'm kind about sure, it. Sure, yeah, But just don't be a racist asshole and come to my Christmas party. Just, no, that's a life yeah. lesson. Don't be a racist asshole and come to Jillian's Christmas party. Just thank please you, don't everybody. know me. Yeah, thank yeah. you, yeah. Justin buys you lingerie for Christmas that is several sizes too big. What would Jilly do? Put it in the drawer with all the other lingerie that I don't use <laughs> and just tuck it away. <laughs> Have a bowl of spaghetti so my ass can grow into it. I don't know, so many different options. <laughs> Your son is insisting on wearing his dinosaur pajamas to take pictures with Santa when you have carefully curated the outfits that you would like him to wear. What would Jilly do? You know, one Easter, or was it Mother's Day, I had a fucking meltdown because Mm. they would not wear the outfits that I wanted them to wear. This is so relatable. I actually think it was when this Joe Fresh line launched. Mm. And I wanted everybody to wear matching Joe Fresh. Like, it's like, I'm like, your mom has her own clothing line. Yeah. It's Mother's Day. We're going to Quail's Gate for dinner. Put on the fucking dress so we can all match. Yes. That's basically what I said. Yes. And I realized I'm saying this on Mother's Day. I have such bad mom guilt. Like, the parent, the kids don't care what they wear. This is not their problem. I was like, I was like, okay. So now I would just let him wear his pajamas. I've let go. Like, oh. the changes, since the whole thing happened with my mom and the changes that I've made with my business... Part of why my business has done well is because I'm attention to detail and I like things a certain way. But at the same time, it's not comfortable all the time for me or everybody else when I'm like so neurotic about everything. So recently, I've just tried to be like, it's fine. The salad, 
that we're launching next month. It's going to be amazing. This amount of mint or that amount of mint, it's okay. The outfit, fine. It's okay. I'm like, just everybody, yes, yes to everything. Yes, uh, it's fine. It's fine. And shouldn't we all just let something go this holiday yes. season? We all yeah. need to hear that. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <gasps> yeah. And that is how you play. What would Jilly do? <laughs> what would Jilly do? I feel like I got the gift of Jillian Harris this holiday season. I truly feel so hashtag blessed. I can't even thank you <laughs> enough for taking my call. The cookbook is out now. Everybody can get it at JillianHarris.com, right? Or wherever books are sold. The box you can get at Jilly Box. Okay. And so if you're listening, the Jilly Box actually is this curated box that there's a wait list for. There's more people on the wait list than there are boxes. There and it's has a been ma- a wait list since the beginning. Since These the boxes beginning. are so hard to get. Yes, and it's all curated items, and we try to prioritize women-owned, Canadian-owned, uh, minority-owned, eco-friendly, and they're really, really beautiful items. Jillian Harris on Instagram. You can probably get all that information. And um, I don't know. I just want everybody to have an amazing holiday and let some things go and be kind to yourself and get some rest. I don't know. Can I just say the same things to you, Julia? Yeah, but I don't like sleeping in December, but I will in January. <laughs> get some rest in January, okay? After your time is yeah. done, get some rest, throw away the phone for just like give yourself like yeah. a 24-hour period. Yeah. And just you deserve it, truly. Yeah. You really do. You do so much. You do so much for other people. You and, too. Um, you did a lot for me today. I can't even thank you so much. You are the best. Have an amazing holiday. Don't, you also don't work too hard. Thank Love you. you lots. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Okay. okay, we just have to hang up and say bye. Jillian Harris. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, if you just know Jillian for her like gorgeous, very curated posts on the internet, that was the complete opposite. Was it not, <laughs> yeah. Jason? Very. She was just wow. so honest, so real. Like when she started to get emotional, I mean, oh, she's so unafraid to go there. I love her so much more now than I ever have before. And I will say I did intend to promote more of her businesses, her cookbook, the Jilly Box, all of it. But I don't know. Sometimes you just have to follow the puck of the conversation. And I love where that puck went to use a real Canadian reference. Thank you, Jilly. After the break, we're getting real-time intel from phonies who were on the scene. We're talking boots on the ground when Enrique Iglesias sang like that in concert. We'll hear from them next. Bailamos! A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are back. And next week, I'm going to provide an update on Evan and my journey with the Scandinavian sleep method. Okay, this week he has been away, Jason, as you know, visiting his family, and he mm-hmm. took Romy with him. So um, I have had my own duvet by default. But to all of you who left messages about your sleep methods, Scandinavian or otherwise, you're going to get an update next week, I promise. Either Evan and I will have grown more in love as a couple or filed for a sleep divorce. Only time will tell. Now... Last week, I played you clips from Enrique Iglesias' stunning performance at his show in Montreal. Do we need a refresher, Jason? Uh, yeah, just, just in case. Yeah, jog the memory. Here it is. <laughs> I can't. I just, I just, I may never recover. So I asked if there were any phonies who had been at the show, and boy, were there ever. The inbox was flooded. So let's check my voicemail. Check, check, check your voicemail. Hi, Jesse. This is Marla from Ottawa again. I feel like I've sort of become your pit bull correspondent. So on your latest pod, you asked for feedback from anyone that went to that Montreal Trilogy concert, which I did. I bit the bullet, and my sister and I bought tickets. They were $600 each to sit in, like, the first bowl. They were pretty good seats. Um, To describe how the show went, each performer did their own set, and there was no crossover between the artists. Like, I was kind of expecting Pitbull and Enrique to perform together because they have some really good bangers with the two of them, but they did not. Each performer did their own thing. So Pitbull ended up coming out first. There was no opener, and he was just all out jumping, full cardio in a three-piece suit. (laughs) And then when that was over, it transitioned to Enrique, and all of that, the tragedy happened. (laughs) I hate to be mean about it, but we probably would have just left after Pitbull had we not driven to Montreal, spent $300 on a Holiday Inn Express room, (laughs) and then $600 in the tickets. And I just left feeling kind of sad. And if you're going to ride on the coattails of Pitbull or the Big Pit energy, you need to bring it. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I would see Pitbull again. I would probably be crazy and spend $600, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think. Okay, bye. I mean, Marla, my loyal Pitbull correspondent. To quote Marla, if you're going to ride on the coattails of Pitbull or the Big Pit energy, you need to bring it. That is. I mean, of wisdom from my phonies. So listen, the voice was not good and you left feeling sad, which is a terrible way to feel after driving to Montreal and spending $600 on tickets and $300 on that Holiday Inn Express room. 
But uh, like, this doesn't really answer our question, Jason, about whether or not it was a mistake, right? Did he think he was singing to a track or is that just how he sings? Marla did not have an answer for me. So we're going to have to turn to Carrie, who left a voicemail about another Pitbull Enrique show. Listen to this. Oh, hi, Jesse. This is Carrie. I'm calling from Wallaceburg, Ontario, Canada. I was just listening to your podcast and you were talking about Enrique. I drove over to Detroit to listen to, uh, well, I mostly wanted to go see Pitbull, but I have to agree, I was very disappointed in Enrique. Even in Detroit, uh, about a month after they, he sang in Toronto and Montreal, he was awful. Ricky Martin was amazing. Pitbull was amazing. Yeah, very disappointed in Enrique. Anyway, I love your podcast. Take care. Bye. Wow. Listen, Carrie from Wallaceburg does not mince words. Enrique was not good. And now I think my theory was wrong all along. I don't think the track didn't play at that one Montreal show. I think Enrique just sings badly live on this tour. And I'm so glad Carrie and Marla could report back to all of us to help us save our money on tickets and on that Holiday Inn Express room. So thank you, ladies. Does Chris Wallace have pitbull correspondence in every city? I don't think so, Jason. <laughs> thank you so much for your calls. And now... This is exciting. So many announcements today, Jace. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next week, it's our final episode of the year. And we wanted to go out with our most special guest of all. You! This Monday, December 11th at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern, I'm going to be posting a live Zoom link for Anyone who wants, okay? All phonies from across the country from, you know, that one phony in Italy, jump (laughs) on the Zoom link. You can phone, um, just like be on a phone call. You can jump on video on a Zoom. Say hello to me. We're going to chat. You can ask me anything. I can ask you anything. We can really get to know each other. Burning scandalous questions. Right, because we're live. I can't deny you. I can't filter the voicemail inbox. You just can ask me whatever you want, right? No holds barred. No holds barred. And guess what? Jason will also be on the chat. So let me put that back out there. If you have questions for Jason, burning questions for Jason, my producer, please. Now's your time. That backfired on me. (laughs) That backfired hard. Ask about JTT, weigh in on Adam Driver, whatever you want. You know, this is your episode, phonies. Bring it on the Zoom on Monday evening. I'm so excited. I'm going to do my hair and makeup, maybe put on a little festive sweater. Whew, get to know everybody. So um, Monday night, we'll talk then. Also, uh, now is the time to get tickets to come to my comedy special taping at ticketmaster.ca. It's March 9th in Toronto, one night only. The link is in the description of this episode. Now, Jay, we end every episode with a song. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Can I pitch you my idea for the song today? Okay, yeah. So... You know, because we are in the holiday spirit. Uh-huh. And I do feel that we should honor current queen of the box office, Beyonce Knowles Carter, by playing what I'm sure is the song she's most proud of in her discography. <laughs> Eight Days of Christmas by <laughs> Destiny's Child. Because who doesn't want a pair of Chloe shades and a diamond belly chain? <laughs> 
<laughs> the things that they list in this song are mid-2000s iconography, and it must be played. Rob, hit us. Eighth day of Christmas, my baby gave to me A pair of Chloe shades and a diamond belly ring On the seventh day of Christmas, my baby gave to me A nice back rub, then he massaged my feet on the sixth day Okay, DM me if you get tickets to my live show. I cannot wait to see all of you March 9th in Toronto and this Monday on Zoom for our phone-a-friend finale. Have a happy Chinooka, whatever that is. Jason, you are the Kelly to my Beyonce. The Michelle to my (laughs) Kelly. You have a great week. You too. Thanks. Everyone have a wonderful week. We are going to talk next Thursday. Bye. Friend was created by our mommy Jessie Crookson. The executive producers are Jessie Crookson and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Pell. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Soundclash. Phone a Friend is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Real Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.